Good morning. morning. Everybody doing good? Are you loving the weather or what? It's incredible. It's been a great week. It's good to see you. Thanks for being with us. And I want to do something a little different. You know, normally I just give you two scriptures, but uh, since the weather's been good, most of your football team's won, I think you can do three this week. Okay. Uh, Titus chapter 2, Romans chapter 6, 2 Timothy so if you want to track along, or if you just want to watch the screens, you can do that also. We are um, glad you're with us, Mobile Campus, Foley Campus, everybody online. Thanks for being with us this weekend. We are in part six of the grace of God. Uh, I have spent five weekends giving you God's part of grace. Uh, we've pounded in the truth that we're saved by grace, not works. We have been knocking legalism in the head and taking it out of us and disassembling all of this uh, works orientation that we have. And when you get to the bottom of it, it does seem too good to be true that if you believe that you get all these things from God, for the next three messages, we're going to be talking about things that grace produces, what grace does in our life, the outcome of grace being in our lives. The title of this message is Through Different Eyes because now hopefully we can look at grace the grace of God through different eyes. We've had five weeks of understanding God's part. And, you know, here's the way I look at it. If, if I teach you God's part, which I've done about grace and then teach you our part, and this is where we're starting now, our part, if we're not careful, we can't slip right back into legalism. And somehow the reason for that is somehow we begin to think that our part earns God's favor. It, It does not earn God's favor. His favor is completely a gift. Every religion in the world says you have to do something to please God. Christianity, and I'm not calling it a religion, the world does, but it's not a religion. Christianity says it's completely by God's grace. And here's why. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to get to man. So what did God do? Well, we talked about it. God's part was he came and he found a guy named Abraham. He imputed righteousness to him. That was God's part. What's Abraham's part? He was to believe. Well, that's too good to be true. Is there a catch? There is no catch. God is not trying to deceive us. Of course, we know the enemy wants to deceive us. And here, here's what he's trying to do. He will try to get us to either be legalistic or to believe in what church history calls cheap grace. Now, let let me say this. Grace is not cheap, but it's free. Say say that with me so you can connect. Grace is not cheap, but it's free. Here's what cheap grace means. It means that since we've been saved by grace, that we can live any way we want to, do anything we want to do. Well, that's not not true. So now we're going to be able to look at it through different eyes because what does grace do? Does, Does it change people? Or is it just a ticket to get to heaven? How, what does grace do? So I'm going to start in Titus 2, verse 11. <clears throat> for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, sin, And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, verse 11 is a key verse. For the grace of God appeared bringing salvation. 
So if the grace of God has appeared to all people, and that's what we just read, are all people saved? No. Why? They, they haven't received it. They haven't received the gift. So how do you know which ones are saved and which ones aren't? Well, really only God knows. <clears throat> but if we could look at a person's life, we can kind of get a hint if they're saved or not. Well, well how do we do that, Pastor? Well, the four, there are four things we just read. And those four things, if you looked at a person's life, if they're trying to live denying ungodliness, if they're trying to live upright, self-controlled lives, if they're looking for Christ to return, and if they're zealous for good works, they probably have received grace. If they live opposite of that, maybe they haven't received grace because verse 11 says the grace that God bring, the grace of God that brings salvation, this grace brings salvation. So if you have a different grace, then you have the wrong grace. If you have a grace that doesn't teach you to deny ungodliness, then that's not the grace that brings salvation. If you have a grace that doesn't teach you to live righteously, then that's not the grace that brings salvation. Paul said, if anyone teaches another gospel, let him be accursed. And I, I just, I guess, guess if you received the other gospel, you'd be accursed too. And there's a lot of teaching today on grace, extremism, right side, left side. I mean, there's such extremism. Grace says, here's an extreme, says you can live however you want. Well, that's not what grace says, and that's not what grace teaches. So grace teaches us four things. We just read them, but we're going to break them down. We're going to look at those four things that it teaches us. Here's the first one. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly pleasure. Well, why does denying ungodliness and worldly pleasure, I mean, what, what, what does that mean for us? Here's what it means. I now have a choice. I have a choice. See, before I didn't have a choice. Before I was a sinner, I, before I got saved, I was a sinner. I, I, I was born a sinner. Being bad came naturally. I, I knew how to be bad before anyone taught me how to be bad. And I was, it was natural for me. I was born a sinner and I was doing the wrong thing, going the wrong way. And that's all I could do because I was a sinner. Just like you. Sinner's sin. That, that, that's what I did. And, and I was good at it until I got saved. And then all of a sudden, I'm not good at sinning anymore. Now, that, that doesn't, I, I can still sin. Doesn't mean I can't sin. I can still sin. I'm not good at it anymore. Why? Well, here's why. My heart's not in it now. My heart's not there. God changed my heart. I don't want to do those things anymore. Grace came into my heart and is teaching me to deny ungodliness and worldly pleasures in my life. Grace is teaching me, and now I have a choice. Now that I'm a believer, I had a choice. Before, I didn't have a choice. Paul said in Romans 6, 15, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. It's a rhetorical question. It's certainly not, one translation says. I mean, he does this 13 times in the New Testament, 10 times in the book of Romans. He asks these questions that are so ridiculous that we know the answer. Are, are we to sin because we're not under grace? Or, or we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who, once, who, who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching, that's grace, to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. For I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. That's why this message is to see through different eyes. 
I really need to be able to see this through a, a little more of a spiritual mindset, just not my natural eyes. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, sin, leading to more sin, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Watch. He's talking to believers here. He's not talking to unbelievers. Why? Because unbelievers can't do this. The only thing an unbeliever can do is sin because they don't have the power of God living in them yet. He's talking to believers and he's saying, hey, you have a choice. Now that you're under grace, submit yourself to righteousness and not to sin. Because if you submit yourself to sin, it leads to death. You, you, you don't want to do that. But submit yourselves as a slave to God. You see, the only way to be free is to be a slave. Everything in the kingdom of God is opposite of what's on the earth. So the only way to be free is to be a slave of Jesus Christ. Here's what I've noticed in ministry. People who say they're free, they can do anything they want to do, anytime they want to do it, nothing, nothing, you know, it's just wide open. I'm free to do what I want to do. Those are the people who are in the most bondage. People who say, you know what, I'm committed to Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm a slave to Jesus, they're the ones who are free. We are to submit ourselves, that's what grace teaches us to do, to Jesus and deny ungodliness. This is the grace that brings salvation power. If you've got another grace, you're not saved. Okay? If, if the grace you believe in doesn't teach this, you've got the wrong grace. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, watch, for it is the power of God for salvation to anyone who, who believes. So the power of God, here's what that means. It's the released energy of God. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the released energy of God for my salvation. The power to salvation. What does that mean? That means to heal me, to forgive me, to, to make me whole, to give me freedom. Every generation of mankind has looked for reality. The gospel is the reality they search for. They don't know that, but that's what they're searching for because nothing else will fix the empty void peace that we're here. We're created in the image of God because of the fall of man. That peace is removed. The only peace that will fill it is the energy, the power of God's salvation that comes in and fills that. Here's the second thing grace teaches us. Teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. The first one says, the first one says, don't, don't be ungodly. And now this one says, be godly. So are we saved by doing the do's and not doing the don'ts? No, we're saved by grace through faith. But grace comes along and says, oh, don't, don't do that. It, it says, don't do that, not because you go to hell if you do it, but because it, it will hurt you. It's, a, it's the wrong thing to do. It's not going to help you. Grace says, don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Go this way. Don't go that way. That's the wrong way. So there are do's and don'ts, but do's and don'ts don't save you. We get saved by believing in Jesus Christ by, by faith. That's how we get saved. Once you get saved, saved, grace comes along beside you. That's not good. Don't do that. That'll hurt you. Don't turn this way. That'll hurt your family. Move away from this. Grace teaches you self-control. It teaches you how to live upright, godly in this present age, and we have a choice as a believer. Now, let, let me give you a horrible illustration. Okay? They're all horrible this weekend, by the way. None of them have worked. But anyway, I'm going to use them anyway. That's all I got. An unbeliever and a believer are standing on a tall building, and they both jump off. <laughs> Will they hit the ground? Yes. But wait, 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 wait. I'm not sure the believer will because the Bible says believers are not under the law. We're under grace. So he's not under the law of gravity. Do you believe that? 
No. No, they both go splat, right? Okay. That's not what the Bible's talking about when the Bible says we're not under the law but under grace. It's talking about we're not under the penalty of the law because Jesus took the penalty, but it doesn't mean that if we disobey, disobey the law that there are not consequences that we'll suffer. So I'll give you an example. If an unbeliever gets a divorce, he or she and his family are going to suffer from it. If a believer gets a divorce, divorce, he or she are going to suffer and their family is going to suffer. If an unbeliever commits adultery, he and his family are going to suffer. If a, if a believer commits adultery, he and his family are going to suffer. What am I saying? Grace is not a license to sin. It's that simple. It's just not a license to sin. Grace is forgiveness of our sins, but there's still consequences for even for believers. Here, here's the illustration. Like I said, I'm not doing well on illustrations this week, but this is the only one I can think of, okay? So it's like this. Did, did your parents ever tell you not to play in the streets? Hold your hand up. Okay, so the rest of you, your parents sit playing in the streets. <laughs> so we know what your problem is, okay? So yeah, yeah, go play in the streets. Now, see, it's like God saying, don't play in the street. Well, why not? Because God, he's this old fuddy-duddy guy up in heaven that doesn't want to have fun. No, he doesn't want you to get run over in life. So let, let, let's go back to when you're a child and, and your, your, your dad or your mom says, don't play in the street. You can play in the front yard or the side yard or the backyard. Just don't play in the street because I don't want you to get run over by a car. But my, but my friends are playing in the street. I mean, it's a, it's a dead-end street. It's a cul-de-sac. I mean, you know, they're on the skateboards, bicycles. Nobody's been hit by a car. Mom, my friend's playing in the street. And, and maybe your mom said this. My mom would have said, well, if your friends jump off a cliff. <laughs> did you? Yeah, okay. Uh, or you could say, Mom, Billy's mom lets Billy play in the street. And she would say, I'm not Billy's mom. I'm your mom, and you can't play in the street. And then you look down at the other end of the street, and, and there's Bobby, and he's playing soccer in the street. And here comes a car, and it's Miss So-and-so who lives down the street. So she stops. She lets Bobby get the ball, get out of the street. And, and nobody's getting hurt. It's, everything's wonderful. And so you go stand on the curb, and you look at the street, and you look at the curb. You step off the curb. Now you're on the street. And you say, you know, no, no car. No one's been run over. My, mom doesn't know. So you disobey, and you get used to the neighborhood street. Years go by, you move, and you move to a busier street, and then you play in a busier street, and you grow up thinking, there's nothing wrong with playing in the streets if you're streetwise. And then you become an adult, and they find you out playing on Interstate 10. You know, it's like... <laughs> When God says don't play in the street, it's not because it's just, well, that's just the neighborhood little street and that's a cul-de-sac. It's because there are interstate highways out there and God knows that and he knows that you will get run over. God is telling believers and unbelievers, playing on the I-10, you'll suffer the consequences. Under grace, grace saves us, forgives us, and teaches us, don't play in the street because there are consequences from playing in the street. So watch, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness, to live godly. And number three, grace teaches us to look for the appearing of Jesus. How, how many of you know that Jesus is coming back to the earth again? Do you know that? Yeah. How many of you know that living on the earth is temporary? This is not our home, right? God is preparing a place for us, okay, if you're a believer. That's your home. So here's Paul a seasoned minister speaking to a young minister in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And he says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. So, Timothy, when he comes back, he's going to judge. 
Timothy, you, he's going to judge the living and the dead. So you, 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 you could say, well, listen, that means the spiritual dead and the spiritually alive. It, it, it can mean that. Verse 2, Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, rebru- reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into the myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. God teaches us... to love his appearing, look for his appearing and look for it in such a way that when he comes, you won't be ashamed when he comes back. That's what he's telling this guy. You know, he look for him to come, but don't be ashamed when he comes back. And Paul understands grace better than anybody. So watch what he says in verse seven to Timothy. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. Notice the capital D. I'm going to come explain what that means in a minute. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So here's what Paul's saying to Timothy. I'll paraphrase. He's saying, grace teaches us to fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? That means don't give in to sin. That, that, That means say no to sin. That means keep the face, finish the race. And I'm telling you this, Timothy, because he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to judge everyone. Now, I'm going to make a statement, so don't turn me off. Don't flip the channels. Just, just let me qualify. We're not saved by works, but we're judged by them. We are saved by grace, but we're judged by our works. I'll show you what I mean. There are two judgments the great white throne judgment, and the judgment seat. Everyone who does not believe in Jesus goes to the great white throne. Everyone who believes in Jesus, they're born again, they go to the judgment seat. But at each judgment, works are judged. That's what they're judging. So at the great white throne judgment, unbelievers are there, unbelievers' works are judged, and they're sentenced to separation from God. And the Bible calls it hell. So there are degrees of hell and there are degrees of punishment, okay? So people will be punished according to their sins. You, you just, they, they don't, they're not getting away with it. They're not all in the same category. But at the judgment seat where those who are believers in Jesus Christ, they will be judged according to works but not punished because Jesus took our punishments but we will be rewarded according to our works. We will be rewarded according to what we do. Matthew 16, 27, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. This is when he comes back the second time and he will reward each according to his works. Each. Are you an each? Well, in Revelation 22, 12, he says, and behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So how many of you fit into the everyone status? So most listening, you think, okay, well, I'm a believer. I'm an each. I fit into this status. Well, if that's so, then I want to look at the believer's judgment because that's where you're going to be. So how do we know what's going to happen there? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. That's Jesus. I'm believing in Jesus. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear 
for the day, that's the judgment day, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work or of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built on it endures, he receives a a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. In other words, you don't get the reward. If if what's on that foundation is burned up, you won't get a reward. But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. So why will he be saved? Because we're not saved by works, but by grace. Still saved by grace. Now, he's not going to get a reward. So, in, in other words, everything you're doing right now of eternal value, you're going to be rewarded for. God's the scorekeeper. Everything you do right now that has eternal value, God's keeping up with. So, how much are you doing that has eternal value? And, and let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, don't just store up on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. So apparently God thinks you're going to need treasure when you get to heaven. And he thinks you, you should plan for that. You prepare for that. You should send it on ahead. And, and, and listen, heaven's not a place where you just float around on a cloud and play harps and sing kumbaya. No. Heaven's a city. Heaven's a kingdom. It's going to function like a kingdom. It's going to function like a city. And, and the Bible says, you know, there'll be people who will rule over 10 cities because they've been faithful on the earth. There are people who will not be ruling. There will be people who have not been faithful. They may, they're still in heaven, but they have no reward. You know, they're living in the back 40 somewhere on a shack or something. I don't know. So it's a city. It's a kingdom. Kingdom comes from two words, king's domain. So that's where the king rules so we need to store up for the future. We're going to that city, so we want to store up so we have treasure there. Th- you've heard this illustration. This one is a good one, but it's not mine. Life is like a dot, and eternity is like a line, one that never stops. And what we do now in the dot affects the line. Everything you're doing in the dot affects how you get to live in eternity. It's important what you do now. So if you think grace means I can live however I want to and do whatever I want to, that's not grace that brings salvation. Grace that brings salvation says it matters what I do in this life. It matters how I live. It matters that I live for God. It matters that I don't live for myself. So we need to understand our works do matter. Now, here's the fourth thing it teaches us. Grace teaches us to be zealous for good works. So let me recap. Watch. Does grace work? When when we've understood it, we've received it, does it work? Yes, it works. What does it do? It produces good works. It makes us want to do good works. Our hearts change. It's different. It produces good works. But grace is not a license to sin. Grace that brings salvation teaches us to deny ungodliness, live righteously, look for his appearance, and be zealous for good works. So God saved us to good works. Now watch. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 If you want to sum up the whole Bible, these three verses sum up the whole Bible. Watch. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God prepared beforehand, before you were ever born, that you're going to walk in good works. Good works are not bad. I mean, if they were, they would be called bad works, but they're not. They're good works. They're good works. So here's the question. Does God want you to do good works or bad works? Good works. Are you saved by good works? No. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So if you want to sum up Ephesians 2.8, we are not saved by good works, but saved for good works. You're thinking, well, no, it sounds like we're going to do good works so we get extra points. 
We get extra value. We, 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 we get brownie points with God, more favor with God. No, good works, watch, good works are always about helping people. Good works always have to do with people, ministering to people, loving people, serving people, giving, serving, blessing, building bicycles, buying bicycles, going to a nursing home, going to a prison, going to the, pro- to the projects that we do with Servolution. All these things, it's all, good works are always about people. And here's the reason God wants you to do good works. He loves people. You are the only hope for the gospel. Remember that energized power of God. You're the only hope of the power of God to help people. God put all of his eggs in one basket. He did. He, 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 you know, he, he's got all his marbles in one bag. There we go. And you're the only hope God has. The only way people come to Jesus is they must see Jesus in you. And the way they see Jesus in you is by good works. Why? Because there are no strings attached. You're doing it just because. You're doing it with no judgment, no criticism, no complaining. You're just doing something where no one expects it, and you're doing it with no strings attached. That's good works. And by the way, when you do that, you're, you're building up in heaven. You're building up in heaven. All those guys who built bikes and did all this serve day this weekend, you, 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 got, you got some reward built up in heaven. I don't know what it looks like. When you get there, you'll find out. But you're, you're serving and blessing somebody. You didn't want anybody to know. You're not walking around with your shoulders pinned back. See, dead works is all about you. And look at me and look what I've done. Look what I can do and let me talk about me. Good works is about people. And you don't want anybody to know about it. You, you just want to help people. You, you, you see, but, but listen, listen. Everybody say, but. but. There's always a but. You can't do enough good works to be saved. You just can't. Grace is unmerited unearned favor from God. Grace is a gift, but grace will produce good works in us. Why? Because that gospel that brought me to salvation, it has changed my heart. Now I want to do good. Now I want to help people. That's how grace works. So here's the, watch, here's the key. I'm going to end this. Grace is a gift, but only empty hands can receive it. What do you mean? We come to God. We come with our sins We come holding on to our life, our way, our will, and God says, hey, I love you. I have a free gift for you. Oh, and you can't earn it, and you can't buy it. It's a gift. It's called grace. If you empty your hands, you can receive it. If you won't lay down your sins, if you won't lay down your will, if you won't lay down your life, you can't receive this gift. Now, watch. This explains to me why two people can pray the sinner's prayer and one change and one not. Because when someone believes, God changes their life, but in order to believe, you have to receive. In order to receive, you have to lay down your sin, lay down your will, lay down your life, and say, not my life and yours. So if you want to hold on to your sin, you cannot get saved. You, you cannot experience this gift that seems too good to be true. And you see, I think that's the problem with so many people. You want to go to heaven, but you, don't, you want to live your own life your way. You, you still want to be in control on this earth. And, 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 and you can't receive it unless you turn loose of your sins and begin to go God's way. He has a better plan. What you have planned is, is nothing in comparison to what he has planned. But he can't do what he has planned for you if you're holding on to it. 
And and you see, here's what you have to understand. What you're holding on to, if you're holding on to that, you won't get there. And the only way you can get there is when you let that go and you receive the other. Why? Because the other gives you the power to salvation to change your mindset, to change the way you think. Listen, people say, well, you know, repentance means just to go the other way. 180 degrees, go the other way. No, repentance comes from a Greek word. It means metanoia, which means change your thinking. I want you to see this through different eyes. I don't want you to just repeat a sinner's prayer every other week in your life and your whole life and never get it. Because if you're doing that, that means you're still holding on to your will and your ways. So I want you to see this through different eyes. I want you to have clear understanding, clear revelation of what this means. It means God says, I have a gift for you. My gift has power and the power that I put in your heart, it will change the way you think so much that you'll want to help other people with no strings attached and nobody know it. Full hands cannot receive a gift. And I think that's why many of you have prayed the sinner's prayer over and over and over and over again. You won't lay down your sin. You won't lay down your life. I want to do it my way. Matthew 16, 25, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Have you received the gift? Have you repented? Have you repented? Do you know? that you see this through different eyes. Because if you have, it's changed inside. And you can't figure out how it changed. Because when you're holding on to everything, you, th- you think that, that's it, I, I, I got to keep maneuvering this. Last weekend, two of our grandkids had birthday parties. And, and you know, uh, two different days, and they had presents, you know, all these presents piled up. And, and so what do they do? They, they give the child one present at a time. One, if they just piled all the presents up in their little hands or their arms, you know, they, 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 they would be overwhelmed and, and couldn't do anything. And then Poppy comes along with his gift and they can't receive my gift because they got all this stuff in their hands. See, the father has a gift. And what we have to understand, it's not just saying a sinner's prayer. It is laying down sin, laying down my life, my will, and saying Not my will, but your will. Not my life, but your life. And when I do that, watch, I am now living and operating on this earth by the principles of the city I'm going to live in in heaven. Did you hear me? I am. I am walking in dominion on this earth because now I walk with the power of God inside of me and I'm a demonstration to the rest of the earth of salvation And I'm walking around on this earth as a citizen of heaven already. I'm just not there yet. Why? Because I have the gift and I have the promise. And and then you you have a believer and you have an unbeliever, and an unbeliever can't understand that. And and you see, you as believers, I don't think you need another sermon. I I just think you need to make sure that you know that you know that you have the gift and you have the energized power of God in your life. And what you do in loving and serving and giving to people is affecting lives. More so, what took, watch, what took place this weekend with hundreds, hundreds of people and all these projects in Mobile and Baldwin County was more effective for the kingdom than, than the four or five sermons I preached this weekend. 
Oh, yeah. You're the army of God. <laughs> and when you mobilize and you start doing good works just because, it'll change the world. And that's what we're about. We want to change the world. And I want you to get it. Now, let me close with this. I do this a lot. I ask you to pray the sinner's prayer. But I'm asking you to pray the sinner's prayer this time for you to qualify yourself. Have I received this gift? Can I see this through different eyes now? And, and, and I'm, I'm going to do it this way, okay? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head, close their eyes. You know who you are. If this fits you. You know if God's talking to you. But I want us to pray this all out loud. You, you may be already a believer, but just pray it out loud so it makes everybody feel comfortable that is praying it for the first time or the 14th time. But let, let, let's, let's do it right this time and understand the gift and lay down the sin and pick up the stuff. And, and here we go. You ready? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life today as Lord of my life. Thank you for the gift of grace. I lay aside my sin. I lay aside my will. And I take up Christ. And I thank you, Jesus, for the gift. Amen. God bless you.